following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. So uh, I've been traveling. It's good to be back with you today. We, uh, we did some traveling for the holidays. A few days before Christmas, uh, Tracy and I went with the boys to Buffalo to be with her family, my in-laws, who are wonderful. And we had a great time there and did the turkey and the presents and all that stuff. Um, and then on Christmas Day, we actually left and drove to Indianapolis, which is where my parents live now, and we spent a whole week there. It was very nice. I missed you on Sunday, but not too terribly much. And uh, despite uh, a little bout with stomach bug, at the end of that trip, we, uh, we did have a wonderful time and came back on New Year's Day. And uh, so I've been away, but it's good to be back with you. I, re- I, re- I mean, joking aside, I really do miss this community, even when I'm away for, for just a week. Um, But when I was with our families for the holidays, I noticed something. You ever go visit your family and notice something that's been there all along and you just didn't see it before? Uh, In this case, it was a picture of either Tracy or Laura, I'm not sure, in full mime makeup in the basement um, of my mother-in-law's house. (laughs) No, I'm... Uh, I'm kidding. That, I, I notice that every time. No. The thing that I noticed for the first time, in both houses actually, there are, there's these little handwritten scripture Bible verses on index cards and notebook paper hanging on the walls in, in many of the rooms in, in these houses. Psalms, Proverbs, Epistles, the promises of Scripture on these little paper placards. Evidence, I think, um, mainly of my mother-in-law and my mother's um, devotional dedication. Now, I confess, there's a, there's a very dark place deep in my soul that makes me a little bit cynical about some things. Um, and I, I, at first, I need to confess to you that I sort of rolled my eyes and said... How quaint. I mean, I know they have iPads. Couldn't they just read the Bible there like everybody else? Could they have at least typed it out in a nice font and printed it on some beautiful cardstock? And then I got home from travel and sat down to prepare this message and this series, which is called Faith at Home. And... Um, I was suddenly sort of ashamed of my cynicism, which I probably should be more often ashamed of my cynicism. Um, I was ashamed because the, the Bible verses hanging on the bathroom walls and the kitchen walls and the bedroom walls and the living room walls in these houses are evidence of the really rich spiritual heritage that I'm blessed to be part of. Um, evidence of the fact that Tracy's mother and my mother and our fathers too, though they're, let's be honest, not that prone to writing stuff down and taping it to the wall, uh, are so rooted in the words of the Bible and the stories of our faith that they, it's just, it's just around them. It surrounds them all the time. And that in ways that I probably couldn't draw a straight line from one, from one moment to the next, but that is a 
enormous benefit to me and to my sons that that is the, the spiritual heritage that, that we have. And yet I haven't, unless I'm much mistaken, uh, hung a single word of handwritten scripture anywhere in my house. And of course, index cards with Bible verses are just one little indication of the fact that there is faith in the home. Nothing magical about an index card with black ink on it. But they do show that someone in that house is committed to their faith. Someone in that house is acutely interested in making their whole life subject to Christ. It's not just a, it's not just a hobby for them. Their faith is not just something that they think about and practice on Sundays when they go to their churches. And then they forget about it for the rest of the week. And it's that kind of faith that I, I hope and pray that you and I can develop together. Maybe we don't have it at all. Maybe there is no faith at home for us, if, especially if you're very new to the faith um, or, or very old to the faith. It, it may be that you, you haven't developed these habits or you developed them so long ago that they don't suit you anymore and you've given up on them. But I want us to be people of faith, not just here, but at home as well. You know, our whole artisan year this year, now that begins in June for us because um, of the way our, our artisan year runs, we've been thinking about this thematic thread of living our faith beyond our walls. Almost every teaching series that we've done since June has been in one way or another related to the idea of living our faith beyond our walls. And in many ways, we could have started with this one because home, our home, is, is, can and should be probably a, um, like a base of operations for how we practice our faith. I think it should start in our homes. It's the most personal place in our lives. Um, it's, it's, it's where we have the most uh, creative control, if you will, over what happens around us. You know, you, depending on where you work, for example, you may not be able to put a Bible verse on the wall. So today we kick off this series called Faith at Home, and I want to start with um, a topic, Cleaning House. Uh, I want us to think today about um, how we're doing in this area. Do we have any faith at home? If we do, what are its strengths and weaknesses and what can we do better and what we can do less of and more of? So we'll kick off today with that. In just a minute, I'll get to to the details of that. I want to tell you what's going to happen for the next four weeks, though, because I'd like you to have the long view in mind. Next week, we're going to talk about relationships at home. Uh, Now, this is, of course... Uh, family relationships. For many of us, we live with family. We have spouse or children or live with our parents. Um, That's part of it, but it's not all of it. So if you're a single person or if you live alone, um, I don't want you to feel left out next week. Please don't skip next week because you think it doesn't apply to you. We're also going to talk about uh, the relationships that we have with our neighbors and with the businesses around us and, and all of the things that are in close proximity to where we are. And how can we hone those relationships and make those relationships um, expressions of our faith in our homes. And then two weeks from this Sunday, we are doing something truly historic as a church, something we've never done before. We are all of us going to visit another church on two weeks, two weeks from today. 
Uh, We are going to Baber African Methodist Episcopal Church. Uh, They have a service time that's the same start time as ours. It lasts as long as ours. Uh, Predominantly African-American congregation, probably about twice as large as we are, uh, and plenty of space for us. And they invited us to come worship with them on uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Sunday, which is two weeks from today. Um, I have a, a map on our website that shows you how to get there, but it's very easy. It's two or three minutes at most, so when you forget and come here, we'll have people in the parking lot pointing you down South Clinton Ave. When you get to Goodman, which is right there, first light, you're about halfway there. You go a little bit farther and turn onto Meg's, and, and they, live, or they, they worship up at Meg's and Broadway. So please don't miss this. It's going to be really awesome. I met with their pastor a couple weeks ago, and he said to me, now, you know you're preaching, right? So you get to hear me give a, a sermon to a much larger group of people. Um, obviously very culturally different, and uh, it's, their sermons are half as long as ours. So you get to preach, hear me preach short, which will probably be a big treat. You'll want me to do it every week. But, um, but we're going to do some other stuff, like uh, in exchanging different involvements in the service with them, and it's going to be such a great time. I, I, I don't want you to miss this. Please, please, please meet us at Baber AME two weeks from today, January uh, 19th. It's going to be a wonderful time. You will hear about this again in the next days and weeks, so you won't forget. Um, so that's, we're kind of taking a pause, a little break from Faith at Home. And then uh, on the last Sunday of January, the 26th, we'll uh, come back and talk about Uh, our homes as sanctuaries, not just as places of worship, because we can extend the act of worship and should extend the act of worship into our homes, but also as places of safe harbor for others. And we'll talk about Christian hospitality and how um, living our faith at home means welcoming other people into our homes. So that's an overview of the series, but today we're starting with cleaning house, and uh, this is a little bit of a self-evaluation that I want us all to do, and it's going to be based on a, a really beautiful passage of scripture that I'd like to share with you now. So if you would turn in your Bibles with me, uh, if you brought them, to Deuteronomy 6, and if you didn't bring one, we have these red ones um, in the seat pockets and under the chairs, you're welcome to use those, and uh, if you use these, you have the advantage of knowing the page number, which is 143. As always, I can't tell you what page it is in your own Bible if you brought it, but presumably if you brought it, you're good enough to find Deuteronomy 6, kind of like that far in. Um, If you don't own a Bible, please take one of these home. It'd be our gift to you, and you can use it for your own um, study and devotional time and that kind of thing. So this is a story from more than a thousand years before the time of Jesus, Um, The Israelites, God's chosen people, had been in slavery in Egypt, and uh, God raised up a leader, Moses, to lead them out of slavery in Egypt, and uh, there's a very dramatic story of that, uh, which some of you have seen in a Disney animation, um, and others of you knew from Sunday school or whatever. Uh, But the Israelites wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, variously obeying and disobeying and trusting and not trusting and um, complaining and keeping quiet, and the, the, the trip took a lot longer than it should have as a result. But they're finally about to enter the land that God promised to their ancestor Abraham, the promised land. And Moses, who is going to be prevented from entering the promised land because of a particular uh, disobedience against God, um, gathers the entire community of people together for one last big motivational speech. 
Moses gives them one last sermon before they enter into uh, the promised land. And that's essentially what the book of Deuteronomy is, is that's, that it's the second giving of the law, basically. It tells them everything that God has done for them and God expects of them and that God will do for them if they, if they follow him. And we pick up this long sermon right at the moment when Moses is about to say one of the most important phrases in the entire Jewish faith. It's known as the Shema Yisrael, which is just... Um, the words that mean, hear, O Israel, which is the first couple of words of this passage. Uh, It's chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Let's take a look. Moses says to them, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Now many of you recognize these words because Jesus quoted them in his ministry. And Uh, We've looked at that story in the Gospels where that happens, I think, a couple of times in the past year. So those words may ring familiar to you, um, even if you'd never heard them outside of these walls. Moses continues, verse 6, Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Fix them as an emblem on your forehead and write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Here are the most important concepts of our faith, Moses says. Keep these words in your heart. Recite them to your children. Talk about them here and there. It's almost like it almost has a Susian rhythm to it, doesn't it? Attach them to your body. (laughs) Hang them up around your house. This is what the people of God do. Keep these words in your heart. But what does it mean for us to do it? What are the words of faith that we should keep in our hearts? Certainly it's that great commandment to love the Lord with everything you have, and the one that Jesus added to it, love your neighbor as yourself. Certainly it's the words of Scripture that we have printed for us, but I think it's actually more than that, more than just the literal words on the page. Remember, Moses was saying this uh, to a culture of people where, where literacy was basically non-existent, vanishingly low, and, and books Forget it. Papyrus, maybe, but probably not. So, so the written words, not really, I think, what Moses is getting at. Memorizing the words, absolutely, I think, is part of what he's getting at. How many of us have memorized Scripture uh, in the last year? Uh, you know, I have it on my iPad. Why would I memorize it? I have a data connection. Always there. Well... Bible verses and index cards and, sure, an iPad with an always-on data connection could be part of it, but it's so much more than just the words of Scripture. I think it's the whole story of God which, which blossoms out of Scripture and into our own lives, into our shared lives, our individual lives, our families' lives. And in order to, to 
continually make that God story your own, Moses says. You have to tell it and retell it and tell it again. Tell it to your kids. Tell it to your neighbors. Reenact the stories. The Israelites did that sometimes. Jesse talked about the Festival of Booths at one point. They'd actually dramatically reenact and engage in this, this God story. Make every aspect and every moment of your life, I think is what Moses is saying, a witness to the work of God in and among you. So, how are you doing with that? Is my question to you. How are we doing with that as a church? Could we evaluate it? Well, I think, I think we could, and what I'd like to do is stick with Moses' guidelines, and we may have to adapt them slightly as we go through, but I have four considerations that come right out of this text that I think we could apply to our own lives, and um, if we evaluate them, we will have some kind of a sense of how we're doing living our faith at home. So the first one, um, he says, recite them to your children, and then talk about them at home. I'm going to put those two together, uh, because not everybody in the room has children, Um, not everybody in the room has children at home, even if they do have children. So I think the broad point is talk about them at at home. So you don't have to answer this out loud, but I would like you to answer it for yourself. How much do you talk about your faith when you're at home? How much do you talk about God in your house? How many times a day or a week or a month or a year does the name of Jesus cross your lips when you are inside your home? That's one metric, if you will. One way we could measure our um, success uh, at living our faith at home. That's the first one. Second one, talk about them when you are away from home. Now, this one is a little bit trickier for most of you in the room. Actually, for me, this one is much easier than the first one because it's my job, literally, to talk about the words of faith when I am away from home, (laughs) right? Um, you know what? A little fireside chat moment here. It's actually my job to do it when I'm at home too. And it's part of your job to hold me accountable to that. If I'm doing a crappy job living my faith at home, I'm going to be a terrible pastor to you. And um, sometimes I do a, a pretty poor job of living my faith at home. Um, so you need to hold me accountable to that. The point is though, The second one may be more difficult for you than the first one is. When you leave your house, maybe you do have scripture on the walls, but when you leave your house, maybe you do talk about it at home, but when you leave your house, do you have some kind of like Harry Potter-esque charm that muffliatos your faith (laughs) on the way out the door, right? I see some Harry Potter nerds, huh? I know who you are. You're a wizard, Harry. Um, I wonder, I wonder how much you talk about your faith, how much the words of faith cross your lips when you're not in your house. It's sort of a little bit meta for our purposes of this series, but it's part of the text. Here's the, uh, the third one. Talk about them when you lie down and when you rise. So how good a job do you do when you go to bed when you get up in the morning, I don't know about you, what's happening when you're, when you're about to fall asleep and when, you're, when you first wake up? Are you reciting the story of God in your mind? 
Um, maybe it's something a little bit more like my house. Right? I can finally check Facebook in peace. <laughs> no one's going to bother me. I can finally catch up on Twitter and my email and all the blogs that I read. I can finally see the haps on Instagram. Please just give me some digital entertainment without anybody yapping at me. First thing in the morning, where's my phone? It's better. It's sort of funny, but actually it's not funny at all. It's pretty horrifying. Um, None of you keep your phone by your bed or under your pillow, right? (laughs) Okay, talk about them when you lie down and when you rise. So perhaps if you left your phone uh, in the dining room, you might be more prone to do this. I don't know. Just a thought. And then write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So it's, it's maybe this is the index card thing, right? My mother-in-law and my mom having these Bible verses written out by hand and taped to the wall. But I think, it, again, it goes beyond the words of Scripture. Are there any visual indicators of your faith in your house? Iconography, Scripture, anything spiritual at all and not just vaguely inspirational. The little kitten hanging from the branch saying, hang in there. You know, maybe that encourages you, but that's not what I'm talking about. Hang in there. There's, a, there's probably some equivalent Bible verse that you... I, I guarantee you, as a matter of fact, if you went to a Christian bookstore, there's a picture of a kitten hanging there with, like, trust in the Lord with all your heart. <laughs> like, I guarantee you, because that's what Christian bookstores do. <laughs> they, they appropriate the garbage that comes out of pop culture and make it worse by forcing it to be some kind of religious message. Um, Whoa, that's a rabbit trail. Come back. That's a rant, actually. We go much further. Is there anything in your house where if a stranger came in or a friend came in, they would know that you are a Christian? I'm not saying you have to be, like, deliberately conspicuous about this and sit somebody down to a a plate with, you know, a picture of Jesus on it or something like that. I I mean, you don't have to be silly about this, but I do think it would make sense if you had some indications. And I think it would be in keeping with the tradition of the Israelites who bound these words, you know, to their bodies and, and hung them on their doorposts and wrote them on their gates and things like that. If something similar happened in your house. I think that is a legitimate and important way of expressing your faith at home. So how are you doing with all of these? One, two, three, four. How are you doing with that? Here's an important thing to remember. Um, we all have room for improvement in these areas. Right? Even if someone listening in the room just now graded herself uh, as doing great on all four of those considerations, she'd still be able to do just a, a little bit better on them, Right? And if you rated yourself, this is the, the really good news, if you rated yourself as terrible on all four counts, you're in luck. <laughs> because you should be encouraged and not discouraged. You should be inspired because your advantage is that you can take the tiniest little step in, in, in the right direction on any of the four of those and you'd be raising the water line pretty good, Right? 
So if you are listening to this going, wow, I am not, clearly I'm not a Jesus freak like everybody else in the room. I don't do this kind of thing. It's okay. Um, You have the easiest job of any of us, probably. You can do just a little bit, and it'll make a big difference. So you've answered these questions for yourselves, but I want to um, know, as your pastor, how we are doing with this as a whole community, because it will help shape what I say um, to you in the next few weeks. So could I have four volunteers, one from each section, come and... I have these little um, anonymous survey cards. It's got the same four questions we just talked about out loud. And um, what I would ask you to do is just take a pen. They're, they're kicking around. If you don't have one, you can borrow one. Rate yourself as good, fair, or poor uh, on all four of these little considerations, Right? Now, everybody in the room can do this. It's not one per household because you may think that your family does a better job at it than somebody else in your family thinks. And if you're a a kid in the room, you are allowed to do this too. How are mom and dad doing (laughs) reciting these words of faith to to their children? (laughs) Okay? Good, fair, and poor. Uh, It's pretty easy to choose, right? Don't think too much about it. Um, if, if we've run out in one section, I think that the, I may have given them bigger piles. So we have extras here. If you, need an, if you need one, just put your hand up and get it. This should take you just about a minute to do. And what I'd like to ask, um, I should have gotten a basket ahead of time, but I don't know. What's the best way to do this? Yeah, just fold it up and like... Put it in, in that basket when you come to take communion. If you don't want to take communion, you can still come up and put it in the basket. Uh, I think we need one right here. Somebody's coming around with pens. So I'll let you know how this, what the results look like next week um, when we're together. We'll put the extras on the communion table if you didn't get a chance to do it. So faith at home. How are we doing with keeping the words of God's story in our hearts? Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are present with us everywhere we go. And we acknowledge your call Jesus, on our whole lives, not just our Sunday mornings, but our whole lives. We want to be closer to that ideal of having every part of our life dedicated to you. And we start with our homes. We pray that you would uh, be present by your Holy Spirit in our homes, that we would know you are real in our homes, that our families and neighbors and friends would know you are real when they come into our homes. We pray that you would continue to grow us into the type of dedicated Christians who can pass on a heritage of faith to our children and children's children 
to our neighbors and friends, to all who cross our paths. May our houses, our apartments, our condos be part of that. We dedicate them to you now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'd like to invite you now to uh, take communion together. Jesus' great sacrament uh, was shared in a, at, a, at a dinner, very homey kind of thing, and we celebrate it still today. If you're following Jesus in this place, regardless of church membership or denominational affiliation or whether you think you're good at being a Christian or bad, our table is open to you. Come and receive it. We practice um, something fancy people call intinction here, which simply means you tear off a piece of the bread. You can dip it in the wine or the juice, whatever is more appropriate for you and your family, and uh, receive that, remembering Christ's sacrifice, his body broken for you, his, sh- his blood shed for you. Receive it, as John Wesley said, as food for your souls, and do it as an act of unity with each other and with the Christians all around our city, all around the world, and actually all throughout time as well. This is the great unifying sacrament of Christ's forgiveness for you and for me and for all. Our table is open. We're going to continue to worship in song. If you'd like prayer, you can receive it up here in the corner. Um, However you might sense the Spirit leading you to respond right now, do so. Amen. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.